Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates, there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, we've got a special guest, a little outside the college coach realm, but one I know I'm interested in talking to, and that's Ken Massey from Carson Newman University. Welcome, coach. How's it say? Welcome, coach. It's, I'm, I'm so used to it. Welcome, uh, Ken. <laughs> I'm the furthest away from a coach you're going to get. Um, my little, I have a five year old boy who's learning uh, just to kick the ball in the yard. That's about as far as I've gotten. Um, but it's an honor to be on your show, Matt, and uh, I'll probably learn something while we talk about well, the world of soccer, and I'll stick to the numbers. <laughs> well, and, and I appreciate you being here, and that's great. I, I think uh, it, the soccer journeys have to start somewhere. It's usually in the yard, so I think you're you're on the right track. Um, well, you, you're you're a um, a professor at Carson Newman. Your focus has been on. I'll just say statistics, but uh, I'll let you give me a little bit of a of a better primer on on your background and how you got started into to all this sports statistical modeling and what that looks like. So so please let let us know about that. Yeah, well, um, I did an undergraduate degree in math at an NAIA school, Bluefield in Virginia, and then I did my graduate work at Virginia Tech, which is a D one school, and I've been at Carson Newman which is a D2 school for about 20 years now. And of course, all sorts of student athletes have come through my classes. I've gotten to know some of them, soccer players, baseball, football. You know, we have you know, probably 12 different sports on campus. And I really appreciate what these student athletes have to go through. I see how hard they work. They're not going to get rich playing professional. Most of them, we've had a couple that went pro, but um, for the most part, they do it for the love of the sport. And whenever I can, I try to get out there and watch. Um, like I said, I have some children now. We love to go watch the soccer games. It's a great environment. And uh, you can't uh, you can't beat the atmosphere of just uh, parents and coaches and friends just come out and watch uh, people they know play play their sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I have a soft spot for, uh, for for math folks. My dad was a was a high school math teacher for 30 years and taught some college statistics and, and stuff like that. So, so I definitely have a, an appreciation for, for your body of knowledge. So, so while at Bluefield and Virginia tech, which I was, I was this close to going to Virginia tech, I actually had my, uh, my deposit in and I knew who I was rooming with, but last second change. Uh, and I ended up going uh -huh. to Catholic U for my undergrad, but um, so at, at Bluefield and then Virginia tech, what, what drew you to, you know, I think I can create a statistical model to, to rank sports teams. Uh, well, this was back in the mid to late 90s when the Internet 
was uh, just catching on. And I had become interested in Virginia Tech football. And if you've ever seen the USA Today print newspaper for, for decades, they printed the Sagarin ratings. And I was just curious to how that would work for college football. I think that was the 95 season when Virginia Tech beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl. And I went to that game and um, I just piddled around with some of the ideas I had learned in math and stats class and said, you know, if I model teams as nodes in a graph and uh, work out this these systems of equations, uh, let's just see what happens. And so it was just really um, exploratory just to see what I could come up with. And I ended up turning it into an honors project and then a website and it caught on with the BCS for college football. And over the years, I've just, it's just become my hobby to collect sports, uh, you know, soccer, basketball, football, uh, tennis, anything you can imagine, and just try to make sure that the, the model I have works for every sport, every level. And um, I've gotten a lot of feedback from the smaller schools, not the NFLs and the NBAs of the world, because they've got all their advanced statistics and they're only 30 to 32 teams. But where these uh, computer ratings really uh, provide value is when you've got hundreds of teams, like you would say in college soccer, um, at all different levels, and they don't play balanced schedules. They're very geographically dispersed. And you want to figure out, relatively speaking, which programs are stronger than others for playoff seedings or for recruiting purposes. And so um, I'm glad I started this a long time ago. I didn't think I would do it my whole life, basically, but um, it's been an, a joy to me. And I'm, I'm glad I can have a website where people can uh, see my work and provide feedback. I enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's uh, an awesome amount of information. Uh, and and the crazy thing is, I mean, I could see it, you know, just starting from we'll say humble beginnings of college football ratings, but you go through your website right now and, and I can see, uh, you know, minor league baseball, uh, different soccer leagues, you know, I mean, you got kind of everything under the sun uh, on here. So how is it again? Now we'll get, we'll get a little bit geeky here, but, but how does that ratings methodology methodology change from sport to sport? Cause obviously something like soccer uh, you know, where you're playing games versus tennis, which is different matches and, and, you know, how does it change from sport to sport or what, what specifically you're kind of looking at that, that what cuts across all sports, I guess. Yeah. Well, the, the key is to understand the inerrant uncertainty in any sport. Soccer is probably going to have more than most sports where, you know, you might get more shots on goal, but you know, it's just like flipping a coin sometimes, which one, which team gets more to go in. Um, so the first step is to to look at a score and come up with a mathematical model of how certain you would be that the team that won is actually the better team. Like in soccer, if you win 4-0, uh, that's pretty convincing. But if you win 2-1, to one, the computer's going to realize, hey, it could have gone the other way very easily. And um, it, it collects every observation of every score accounts for home field throughout the season and it, it builds like this network where you can imagine let's say Carson Newman is attached to Tusculum and Mars Hill and all the teams they play and then they might be attached to teams further south let's say into Georgia and those Georgia teams might be connected to teams in Florida 
And then as you work your way around the country, even though any one team may only play 15 opponents, those 15 opponents played numerous other opponents. And eventually they all get connected and they're kind of pushing and pulling on each other uh, with this mathematical model, which tries to optimize, you know, the ratings that would kind of fit what actually got observed. And um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, with modern computers, it's not too tough, but I try to, you know, my background is scientific computing. So I, I've taken care to try to build my software so that it's very robust to every sport that you could come up with. And it computes uh, even, I don't do high school soccer, but I do high school football. And you know, there you've got over 15,000 schools that get connected and it, it can run in just a couple of minutes. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Well, let's talk, excuse me, specifically uh, about the soccer ratings. You know, I'm if I'm looking at, uh, you know, the D1 college women's ratings on your site, you see you see the rating and, and, you know, one, two, three, whatever, but then there's like a little number. And I guess that's the number that really is the, the key component here, right? Uh, that, that, that ratings number, but what, what do all these numbers and the different columns and, and all that kind of stuff really mean? Uh, well, I have an overall ranking, which would be, you know, kind of to model, like if there were an AP poll, uh, and maybe there is for soccer, I'm not sure, but if, if there were an AP poll where the humans actually paid, a lot of attention like they do for college football, what would be kind of the way they would see it. Um, and then you've got a power rating, which is how good the team probably actually is. You know, like I said, some teams may have been luckier than others. Um, and the ranking might be like, might be the number three team in the country, but then their power rating is going to be how many goals per game better on average than in that typical team. So those power ratings are going to be uh, real numbers, whereas the rankings are just ordinal numbers, one, two, three, four, five. And then the power rating is subdivided into offense and defense. Some teams, you know, uh, might win games four to three all the time, and other teams might prefer to keep it one to zero or two to one. So different styles would have different paces of play, and that's accounted for in the offense and, de and the defense. And then I've got a couple columns for strength of schedule. Uh, for the season up to this point, and then for the the full uh, remaining schedule as well. So uh, it is a lot of numbers, but I think that that first ranking is pretty pretty much like if you were to seed playoffs, what would be the fairest way to do it? Um, that first cop that first ranking column you see. Okay. Well, in terms of, um, you mentioned the AP poll as as a different thing, and I don't they don't think they really have a, a an AP. Well, maybe they do for for Division One, but definitely not for two and three. Although there's there's a and United Soccer Coaches does their regional rankings, and then right. you, the big one that people talk about along with college football is RPI. Um, so so how is like yours say different than RPI? Because I think that's a computer a computer model as well, right? Right, the RPI is a computer model, but it's it's limited. Um, remember a, a few minutes ago, I was talking about like Carson Edmund might play teams in North Carolina who play teams from Georgia, who yeah. play teams from Florida. The RPI is only gonna go two steps. They're gonna go to opponents and opponents, opponents, which limits how well it can see the whole country. Mm. So my system effectively goes an infinite number of steps. It explores the entire graph as far as it'll go. Um, and for the most part, Teams are going to be connected, at least within division. Um, 
there, I wish there were more games between divisions, say D1 versus D2, but at least my system tries the best given the data to separate those divisions, whereas RPI wouldn't be able to do that. And that, actually, that, that's a good point and question I had. One of the cool things that your site does or has the ability to do is, is matchups. Um, and, and you can have, say, the number one D2 team. What How is it going to fare against, say, the bottom D1 team? Because a lot of folks just automatically think D1 must be better than D2, must be better than D3, et cetera. But, but as you and I both know, there's a lot of times when that's not the case. <laughs> there's going to be D2 teams that can always beat D1s, et cetera. So mm -hmm. does your – if I'm looking at the – ratings for say d1 and i see you know that a specific number there in that ratings column you know 8.88 or something and then the next but but the number one d1 team might have a rating of let's say i think florida state here says 9.64 but the number one d2 team might be a seven or something like that so so is that is your system taking into account that say difference in division Yes, um, given the data that's available. Um, I, before we got on the call, just out of curiosity, I looked at uh, Division One went 26-2-3 and three against the rest of the divisions. So they did dominate. But then you can't just even look at the schedule. You have to see what was it top-tier D1 teams beating up on you know mid-tier D2 teams, or was it bottom D1 teams beating up on top D2 teams. So the system is going to account for the strength of the teams within division that end up playing each other. And uh, it, it it kind of moves like if this is D1 and this is D2, whereas RPI couldn't really tell which one's better. My system, by looking at all those connections, is going to kind of let them balance like this. So it's, mm -hmm. you're going to get an overlap, like, like if this is D1 and this is D2. I don't know. I'd have to look, but there's going to be an overlap where maybe the top D1 team might be ranked 140. And I mean, the, I said it backwards. The top D2 team might be ranked, say, in 140 in D1. Right. And those numbers are directly comparable. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, just obviously there's a crazy amount of data and numbers being crunched on the background, but I mean, I have a hard enough time trying to you know, keep up with, with my daughter's high school schedule and stats that come out of her games. So, I mean, how, how are you keeping track of all this stuff and all the changes? Cause I mean, there's probably a handful of schools that are switching from D2 to D1 uh, over the summer. And and so you got to make those adjustments and, and, mm -hmm. and that's just soccer. I can't imagine all the other sports and, and all that amount of data you're trying to, to keep up to yeah. date. How, how, how do you do that? Uh, well, the first thing is to keep my sanity. I don't worry about statistics. I don't keep track of goals, uh, shots on goal or, you know, in other sports, time of possession or three point percentage, any of that other stuff. It's just the score of the game, where the game was played. And um, I have different websites like the NCAA has some information and then the junior college sites, NAI, um, that I can get information from each year. I try to set up the schedule as best as I can and then uh, weekly try to kind of go through and make sure that if people have emailed me corrections like this team switched conferences or something like that, I'll try to fix them manually. Um, and then a big annoyance is schools that have similar names, <laughs> like you might have three St. Francis's or something like that, and they're always <laughs> getting mixed up. 
so I, that that part of the job I don't really enjoy, um, especially when you've got teams in different divisions that have similar names. Um, but I try to keep it as clean as possible. I would say 80% of my work is data data gathering and organization and cleaning and things like that. But I've over the years written software tools that help me do that fairly efficiently. Okay. I, I said there's got to be some sort of automation uh, in there, but I can imagine right. the, the surfing through all the different trinities, St. Francis and St. <laughs> Mary's of the world has right. got to be a, a, yeah. a tough, tough road to hoe. Right. Well, well, and I mean, I, this is, this will be come a little bit differently, but normally on these, I, I ask a final question of my college coaches for, for advice around the college recruiting process. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question, but a little different bent because you're, you're a college professor. You, you get to be teaching these kids and see them on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, as a professor, as a sports fan, you know, what advice do you have for any high school students right now that are, that are going through their college search process? And it doesn't have to be sports related at all. Just some good good hard honest advice from a from a college professor who's seen successful students and unsuccessful students what advice would you have for anybody um well and this would apply academics as well as sports is try to find the right level you don't want to be you i mean it sounds weird you don't want to be the best player on the field because uh, you're not you're not going to be surrounded by like teammates and opponents that would challenge you um, now, somebody's got to be the best, obviously, but go to a place where you feel like you can can grow and be challenged. Um, and that doesn't have to be uh, based on any kind of, um, I guess, human categorization, like D1 versus D2. Uh, talk to the coaches, look at the, the numbers to see, uh, you know, are, are they getting recruits that I can go in and compete with and learn from. Um, and also pay close attention to geography. I've noticed at Carson Newman, just uh, a lot more spirited games and uh, competition when there are a lot of local kids. So if you've got a local school that is D2 or D3 and they've got a good reputation, they're, uh, they've got a good coach, uh, don't uh, – don't ignore them and try to go out of state just so you can say you play D1. Uh, geography, I think, is important as long as you're um, being challenged on the field and in the classroom. Um, so make sure you can find a major uh, program that you want to uh, stay and graduate with. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, Ken, I really appreciate it. Want to say thank you for the work that you do and 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 keep it up because I know I I reference your site quite often and and have it linked off uh, the discovercollegesoccer.com website for for folks to see because uh, that's a question I get is is you know how do you tell who especially in in something like Division three where there's just hundreds of schools how can you really tell and this is a great a great barometer at least for the on the field stuff off the field stuff you got to go somewhere else but. Uh, we appreciate what you do and, and really thank you for your time today. Thank you, Matt. Take care. The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more.